Hello, friends, and welcome to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, and this is episode number 20. And uh, this is a bonus episode for the season of Advent. If you've been following along the last few weeks, um, Advent is the four weeks traditionally leading up to um, Christmas Day. And every week for the season of Advent, what I've been doing is releasing a bonus episode and a blog post midway through the week, uh, talking a little bit about Christmas and to go along with the What If Project, looking at things that are maybe a little bit different than what we might typically look at uh, during the season of Christmas. Uh, so for instance, I think it was last week, we talked about um, John the Baptist and how John the Baptist in the book of Luke is referred to as John, son of Zechariah, not John the Baptist, and why that's important, why that's significant, and why it's important uh, for the season of Christmas, how it can challenge you and me and encourage you and me, and all those different kinds of things. So something we might not normally look at, usually Christmas time we're talking about shepherds and the wise men and you know King Herod and um, baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the angels and all these different things. Uh, just a little bit of a twist on that. So let's see, what else do we have? Um, yes, so rest of the uh, year, 2018 is coming to an end very soon. And uh, since this thing launched back in September, um, we've been studying the book of Mark and we are really at the very end of Mark now. Um, the other day we talked about the thieves on the cross, so a little bit about the crucifixion. Um, and so we're almost there, we're almost to the end. Next week is uh, Christmas, obviously, on the 25th, and uh, that is on a Tuesday. So on Monday the 24th, I'm going to release uh, episode number 21. It'll be a little bit of a Christmas episode. Uh, so no bonus episode that week, just a uh, um, episode on Monday. And then on the 31st, which is New Year's Eve, uh, that's the following Monday, I'm going to release the uh, the Mark paper that I've been telling you about. So I thought to kind of close out our study on the book of Mark, I will share with you my Mark theology paper that I wrote for school. Now, I've been telling you that it was like a 22-page monster paper and um, lots of stuff in there, lots of good stuff. Reads like a gigantic blog post, because that's just the way that I write, even if I'm writing something for uh, a doctoral program at school. It's still very uh, readable, understandable. Uh, so I think I'm going to make a couple tweaks to it. I'm going to give it a shot. We're going to try to make it into a podcast. It'll probably be a little bit of a longer one, but that's how we're going to end the year. That's how we're going to end our study on Mark. And then once we hit January, we will jump into some new uh, exploration, some new uh, and different kinds of things, which I will tell you more about um, at a later time. But for now, I want to, I don't want to prolong this intro. I just want to jump right in. Uh, episode number 20. This is the third bonus episode for the season of Advent. And I'm calling this episode, The People Who Weren't There When Jesus Was Born. The people who weren't, the people who were not there uh, when Jesus was Born. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Dean and I were putting our Christmas decorations up. And uh, as I unboxed the nativity set and put out all of the characters in their places, um, I kind of smiled as I had this thought that 
crossed my mind that I never really had before. Um, and the thought was this, who was not present at the scene of Jesus's birth says just as much, if not more than who was present at his birth. So let me say that again. Who was not present at the scene of Jesus's birth says just as much, if not more than who was present at his birth. So first to unwrap Mary and Joseph, who probably barely teenagers, or at least Mary was barely a teenager, um, and they were not yet married, right? So these two were on the the verge of splitting up uh, just a few verses before Jesus was born. So I unwrapped them first. Next, I took out the shepherds, who many scholars say would have been considered outcasts by the larger Jewish community, uh, handling animals all day, touching blood, amongst other things, they wouldn't have been very welcome in uh, very many Jewish gatherings, to put it mildly. Uh, Then I found the Magi, or the wise men, who weren't even Jewish, mind you, but were likely maybe priests or elders or or of something, um, of some sort of uh, other Eastern religion. Then I pulled out the animals, right? You got the sheep and the donkey and the camel. And lastly, I pull out the baby Jesus, And so present at the birth of Jesus, we had obviously one baby who essentially had had no rights, right? Uh, Two teenage unwed parents, or at least one of them was a teenager. I don't know how old Joseph was, probably an older teenager, but whatever the case may be, we'll just say two teenage unwed parents who had been teetering on breaking up, um, a bunch of priests from some non-Jewish religion, animals, um, shepherds covered in God only knows what, and not present, right? The people who were not present were the temple leaders, the scribes, the rabbis, the Pharisees, the emperors, the kings, the rulers, the rich, the powerful. And I think that this is really telling, right? Like almost maybe even prophetic of the uh, kind of life that Jesus would lead, the kind of people that Jesus would draw to himself, right? Because all throughout his life, Jesus didn't cater to the powerful. He didn't rub elbows with the strong. He didn't take the, uh, like the top students to be his disciples. He didn't, he didn't hang around those who had it all together, or at least you know, thought they had it all together. But instead, Jesus hung out with the people that the temple and the Roman Empire pushed to the outskirts of the world. Uh, the people they considered to be the nobodies, the has-beens, the never-will-bees, right? the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sick, the demonized, the poor, um, if you read the Gospels, you almost can't help but see a, a pattern in the kind of people that Jesus went to and the kind of people that Jesus drew to himself, the people that were most attracted to Jesus. He went to the poor, and the poor came to him. He went to the demon-possessed, and the, de- and the demon-possessed came to him. He went to the sick, and the sick came to him. He went to the tax collectors. The tax collectors came to him. He went to the prostitutes, and the prostitutes came to him. The rejected were welcomed. The outcasts were brought inside. Those far away were brought close. Those who spent their lives hearing no heard a resounding yes. Those who were knocked down were lifted up. And it started not when Jesus was 30 years old, the approximate time that he began his, you know, quote, earthly ministry, but rather it started some 30 years earlier than that in a feeding trough, right, in a manger, as unwed parents, dirty shepherds, 
people of other religions and animals gathered around to be in the presence of the one who had always loved them and always would. Um, it was a model, I think, you know, a model for you and me to follow. Uh, I'm reading this book, I mentioned it last couple weeks, by a Richard Rohr. It's called Preparing for Christmas, and it's basically just a a devotional for every day of Advent, like one page of, of reading, very short. Um, but he says he says this, and I think it goes along perfect uh, with what we're talking about here. He says, the more that we can put together, the more that we can forgive, the more that we can allow, the more that we can include and enjoy, the more we tend to be living in the Spirit. The more that we need to reject, oppose, deny, exclude, and eliminate, the more we open uh, to negative and destructive voices into our own worst instincts. As always, Jesus is our model of healing, of outreach, of reconciliation. He is the ultimate man of the Spirit. And so as Jesus laid in his manger, you know, some 2,000 years ago, and drew the most unlikely group of people to his bedside, uh, really, he began to subvert like a system of oppression and exclusion that was running rampant, running wild through the streets of the empire. And so now today in 2018, teetering on 2019, I think the call is for you and me to do the same, uh, to subvert the system of oppression and exclusion. And so that said, this is my prayer for you. Um, as we go into this, this is the week before Christmas. So as you go to work, you spend time with your family, your friends, whatever, this is my prayer for you. Very simple. May the Spirit of God fill you today as it did the baby Jesus some 2,000 years ago, so much so that you sense almost like a change in the atmosphere around you. As people of all kinds, from all sorts of backgrounds, belief systems, lifestyles, people who've made all sorts of mistakes, who wrestle with all sorts of demons, that those people are drawn to you because they sense the divine love and grace and mercy and forgiveness that indwells your being and reflects out of your eyes and pours out of every single pore on your skin. And may that same spirit push you, prod you, lead you to venture into the lives of those kinds of people who might be repelled by your presence. Not because they don't like you or, or because they're afraid of you, but because they don't think they're worthy to receive what the divine inside of you has to offer. So may you not be afraid to go to them when they don't come to you. And may you not be afraid to receive them fully when they do make their way to you. Receive them fully regardless of what the people the church, whatever around you thinks. Remember, subvert the system of oppression and exclusion, uh, just as Jesus did some 2,000 years ago from a manger in a feeding trough, surrounded by the most unlikely group of people who would come to be at the bedside of the Messiah. Walk in his footsteps today. Uh, much love to you, a very Merry Christmas, and uh, I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.